What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? The other half of the podcast here, Kevin Valentin. Kyle, what is good, my G? It's another week, man. Got another episode ready to rock and roll. You ready to hit these topics? You already know I'm here for it, bro. Yes, sir. So just to kind of give you guys the rundown of the topics that we're going to discuss, um, it's going to be fairly short and concise today. We're going to basically limit it to about four, maybe five topics at max. Um, first things first, we're going to go over a quick recap of game four in the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Kev, did you happen to watch that game? It was playing Call of Duty. I will not lie. So I'll I'll do a quick discussion on that. So <laughs> Kevin, you, you just you just sit there and just kind of nod along and We'll uh, we'll transition into the next segment, which is going to be, which is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals matchup between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Um, we're going to give a preview of the series. We'll give our prediction to who we think is going to win the series, and then after that, we'll transition into our Game One predictions between the Suns and the Bucks. We'll probably go over the ongoing situation between Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols on ESPN. Um, I did put out a video on our YouTube page earlier today about that. So um, the reason why I'm going to bring it up here is because I want to see, and I think it would be nice to see what Kevin would say about the topic at hand for that. And then Kevin, you did mention um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the, the all-star game with Shohoi Otani uh, becoming the first player in major league baseball history to make the all-star game at two separate positions. As yeah, a pitcher is, and an outfielder. That, that's a topic in itself, right? I don't think people understand that that's never been done and there's a fucking reason for it. So, yeah, we, we, we can hit on that briefly at the end. And that's pretty much the outline of the episode. So, <clears throat> we'll dive into game four between the Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. So, we had the Montreal Canadiens win game four. By the score of three to two in overtime. So with the win, Montreal is still currently down in a series three one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But this was one of the first games throughout the entirety of the Stanley Cup Finals where the Montreal Canadiens won and played like a really good hockey team. This was the first game that I saw them apply constant pressure to the Lightning from beginning to end. I remember I was watching the game with my dad and throughout the entire course of regulation. So through the first three periods, I thought realistically the Canadians won about 45 minutes of regulation time. And then they were able to put in the game winning goal in overtime to give them the win. So I remember I mentioned um, yesterday about the lightning had a very good chance to sweep this series from Montreal simply just because I thought the Lightning were a much better roster from top to bottom. And while I still hold that to be true, Montreal came to play today because they had nothing else to lose and they were able to score against Andre Vasilevsky, which is quite difficult because Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. And they were able to put three goals against him. So... I think when you combine what they were able to do defensively, basically limiting 
Tampa's offense to get into any sort of rhythm whatsoever, and you combine that with what they were able to do offensively, you get the result that you saw in game four. And if Montreal is wants to take any sort of takeaways from this game, I think they would have to take away the fact that, okay, going into game five, they're going to have to be just as aggressive, and they're going to, have to they're going to have to apply pressure like they did in game four if they want to make this series competitive again. Even though that they played a pretty solid game four, they're still currently down 3-1 in the series. They have a long road to get back into this series. But if they look back at this game, they may have a game plan or may have, they may have a blueprint to maybe figuring out some of the Lightning's deficiencies to get back into the series in game five. Um, I'm not going to give any sort of prediction for game five that's a couple days away from now and with the whole tropical storm off of the coast of Florida. Um, I don't know how the series is going to be affected because of that. We'll kind of see how that goes in the next couple of days. But Montreal definitely showed up. And if they continue to play like they did in game four going into game five, I think they'll definitely have a good shot to be possibly victorious in game five. But I do expect the Lightning to make adjustments going into game five as well. I think they they missed some great opportunities. Um, their play, uh, their power play was not really effective throughout the entirety of game four. So you have to give a lot of credit to Montreal's defense for being able to kill the power, uh, the power plays. And the way that I see it moving forward, I think both teams are going to make the adjustments necessary for game five. And it should be a really fun matchup going into the latter part of this week. So with that said, that'll pretty much wrap up the NHL portion of the Go Montreal. Podcast. Bro, why you got to hate like that? Why you got to hate? Because I'm tired of this Champa Bay bullshit. Everybody's an idiot, and they're all hyped as if this area has been championship realm forever. They win a couple of championships, and everybody's suddenly a Tampa fan. I'm tired of Florida. Everybody's well, an idiot. You, well, you know what happened, right? Tom Brady moved on. And ever since, bro, they've been winning ever since he got here. What? So check this out. Tom Brady signs that deal last year in March. Yeah. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup a couple months after that. They they won the bubble last year. Mm-hmm. And then the Bucks won the Super Bowl last year. And the Rays. Don't forget, don't forget the Rays and won the, the Rays. AL championship. And, and the man. Rays. The, AL, got... the AL championship is the most coveted championship in all sports, actually. Oh, you think so? Oh, you think so? Most, co- most coveted championship ever. But the, f- ever. But, the, but the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays got to the World Series. And lost? The World Series. I'm just saying. Tampa has come a long way. I'm but, not uh, denying but, it. I'm just saying people are annoying. Magically, everybody's a, a, a Tampa fan. And I'm just like, it's a bandwagon like anything else. It's just, bro, people need to go away. Uh, but here's the thing, though. The Lightning have been good for a decade plus. Exactly. That's the only tolerable one. And the Bucks are only good because Tom of is Tom's there. there. Yeah. Once That's Tom it. leaves, yeah, I think they're going to go back into like a black hole. I don't, well I, I don't, well I don't want to hear it when Tom retires or if he has a bad year or whatever or if the Rays don't make it to the World Series. I'm like, yeah, where was that Champa Bay bullshit, bro? Get, get out of here. Let's get into the NBA Finals, bro. I'm going to get myself agitated at one in the morning. I'm just saying, Tom Brady came here, Tampa started winning. I'm just oh, my God. Just, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just get used to it, bro. It, it's, it happened in Boston, and it's happening in Tampa. Okay, so, man. 
So I'm gonna fight uh, you. I swear to God. So moving on, we're gonna talk a little bit about the NBA Finals that start on Tuesday between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Um, Milwaukee finished their series against Atlanta this past weekend. Uh, they won the series in six games to advance to the NBA Finals. And then with Phoenix, Phoenix also won their series in six games as well against the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Kev, the way that you currently see the NBA Finals as they're set up currently, um, between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, who do you have winning the Finals and why? Well, let's be frank. Um, the availability of Giannis Antetokounmpo is the key X factor here. If Giannis plays... I think this series has the potential to go seven because the Bucks role players were able to shut Kyle and I both up in the final two games of the series. And uh, they did what they needed to do to take over and win. And that being Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, um, Bobby Portis, and, you know, a, a litany of other players. So, I mean, if, if Giannis does play and the team can continue that pattern that with that confidence, I think that this, this series definitely has – the 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 availability and, and the potential to go all the way to the end at seven games, but um, the unlikelihood of Giannis playing the entire series, at least, is to me and my in my opinion very unlikely because the hyperextension of a knee like that within a week's time, I don't see him playing tomorrow. Um, just because I feel like that's not enough time to really heal. Granted, he's getting around the clock treatment, twenty four hours resting, top of the line medicine, doctors and treatment, but still. You know, the body still does need time to heal. And basketball is a very tiring and, and tedious sport to play on the body. So uh, to, to, to round up what I'm trying to say, um, if Giannis doesn't play, I think that the Suns can win this in, in, in about five or six, depending on how Milwaukee's role players play. Uh, if Giannis plays, like I said, it could go seven. But I do see Phoenix overall taking this. I just see that the Chris Paul effect is real. Devin Booker has shown in these playoffs that he has elevated himself into that super echelon, superstar level. And um, overall, Monty Williams is showing he's one of the best coaches in the NBA just because of how he was able to carry himself last year in the bubble. And then with the addition of Chris Paul and their reunitement from 10 years ago with him being the coach of the Pelicans, or should I say the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets, um, I think that the Suns have the, the ability to, to win the NBA Finals, no matter what the outcome is. I just think Giannis makes it more competitive. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, the way that I currently see it is I see the Suns winning in five games if Giannis is really limited in this series, because I know he's not playing in game one. He's already listed as doubtful. So I highly doubt that he, he's going to play game one, and there's a pretty good likelihood that he may not even play game two. So I wouldn't even be surprised if we see... Giannis come back until probably game three, but that's just kind of like my initial guess at Giannis's availability. Uh, the way that I see it though, with Phoenix is I just think that Phoenix is, they have too much firepower here. You've got Devin Booker who's coming off. I would consider a so-so series against the Clippers. He had a very spectacular, he had a spectacular game one where he dropped a triple double and, and 40 points. But after that injury that he sustained when he and Patrick Beverly butted heads, uh, he struggled throughout the series. So you may have to give a little bit of credit to the Clippers defense for being able to slow him down to a certain extent. But even with that said, 
it left Chris Paul in a situation where he dominated the game. And that's really the matchup that we're going to have to see going into this series is, okay, we know Chris Paul can easily put up 30 points, 35 points, if the situation's right for him. Can Drew Holiday be the guy to hold him down maybe to about 20, 25 points or even less than that to the point where Chris Paul is kind of struggling to get into a rhythm. But with Giannis potentially out of the lineup for the the first game and possibly the second game, I just don't see how Milwaukee's going to be able to defend down low. I could see maybe Brooke Lopez going toe-to-toe with DeAndre Ayton, but... DeAndre Ayton has been spectacular throughout these entire playoffs. Now, he's had some up-and-down games, but I think he's been on a roll the last couple games going up against the Clippers, and I think that may continue going into this series against Milwaukee. So it's just, I look at Milwaukee, and don't get me wrong, they've earned their spot to get to the finals here, but when they're not hitting their shots, man, I don't know what it is. It's just tough to watch them. It is. Yeah, but I they've mean, been on the last two games, though. So it's yeah, like, it's, it's crazy the difference, though, when they're on and when they're off. It's crazy. The main thing that's going to have to that's gonna have to happen if the Suns are going to win the finals is they have to have Chris Paul go off consistently. Devin Booker, same thing. And if they can get some decent production from DeAndre Ayton and some of the role players in Cameron Payne, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, and Cameron Johnson, I think if they, I think they're going to be able to score fairly easily against the Bucks defense. Now the Bucks do have a solid defense, but it would be a lot better if Giannis was 100% healthy, and even if he's able to come back into the series, he's going to be limited defensively because of that knee issue. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see these matchups. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's just at, at this point with Giannis's availability up in the air, I think the Suns could potentially win this at five. If Giannis comes back sooner rather than later, I think this series gets extended to six games. But all in all, I think at most this series goes six, but I think the Suns win it. And I think it's in large part to the fact that Giannis is going to be limited um, offensively and defensively because of his knee. But I just think the Suns have too much firepower here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what the Bucks head coach, Budenhoser, right? That's how you pronounce his name? Yep, Mike Budenholzer. I'm curious to see what he does in the initial matchup. Does he put Drew Holiday to be a pest on Chris Paul? Or does he put him on Devin Booker to try to minimize the explosion that Devin could have? To me, Drew Holiday is the biggest factor for Milwaukee's success and their failure Mm -hmm. because of his ability to guard relatively one through three comfortably um, and his physicality and his ability to get into your head because he's just able to play such great defense. And at the same time, on the other end, he's going to give you 15, 20 points. I mean, we saw, like I said, the last two games, Drew was able to give 33 and like 25. So he has the ability to go out there and go get his own bucket and create his own shot while at the same time, distributing the basketball effectively and playing stellar defense. Mm-hmm. So, um, we all know Chris Middleton has the potential to play good defense and have the off chance as of recent 
to go out there and put up a, a, a good amount of points. Obviously, we know that he has the potential to put 20 to 25 consistently, but for whatever reason, in this course of the postseason, Chris Middleton has been relatively inconsistent. So, He's again, we all know that, yeah, the, the last two games, the Bucks just completely took over in terms of offensive efficiency. And, um, you know, the acquisition of P.J. Tucker and the, the rise to play of Bobby Portis's availability has been very impressive. So I will not sit here and say that the Bucks don't deserve to be here. Granted, um, the injury to you know Kevin Dur- uh, to Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden, who's who's to say they they come out of the of that series against Brooklyn? But that's neither here nor there. We're here, and this is the situation that they're presented in. So yeah, no, I, I definitely am curious to see what defensive settings and matchups uh, Budenholzer decides to place. Because we all know that Chris Paul is the manager of this team in terms of game management and like poise. So if if Drew Holiday can can become annoying to Chris, I feel like that may throw off the momentum, or should I say, throw off the the rhythm of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And if Devin Booker continues to struggle from the field like he did last series because of the facial injury, um, I don't know if Phoenix is going to be able to walk away with it. I, a lot of their role players, like Kyle said, are going to have to step up in order to pick up the slack, so to speak, for their superstars being unable to perform. So if I had to put maybe a pin, I would say uh, Phoenix wins a close one just because they're going to be feeling each other out. And I say that uh, the bench comes up big. So, you know, Cam Johnson, uh, is it Tory Craig or Tony Craig? I always forget. It's Tory Craig. Yeah, I feel like the two of them are going to step up, have big games. I just want my dog Cam to get a ring. I want my boy Jay Crowder to get a ring. So uh, I think Phoenix finds a way to, to squeak out a tough one in Phoenix for game one of the finals. What would you say with the, for the score? I can't predict the score because I, I just – I don't want to put it in the hundreds because we both know the, each team can play good defense, but we both know that both offenses could be cold. So I, if I had to, if I, I'm trying to be confident in Devin scoring the basketball, I mean, I'm really hoping for him to put on a show. Um, Maybe 105, 103, like 105, 100. I don't know, something around that aspect. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was under 100 points because both teams have that ability to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be like between a three to five point game, honestly. You think it's going to be that close? Wow. I think it's going to be close because I think that Milwaukee knows without Giannis, they're going to have to play incredible defense. I actually think this is going to be a one sided game here. I think. Phoenix is going to win this game fairly handily. I think I think this, this could potentially be like a 10 to 15 plus point win for the Suns. That's just bold. Because, just because with the way that I see the Suns playing right now, they're, they're just on a roll. Chris Paul is in one of those zones, and I expect <clears throat> Devin Booger to bounce back from that so-so series that he had against the Clippers. And with Giannis out of the lineup for game one, it's going to put a lot of weight and pressure on Chris Middleton to produce. And the same goes for Drew Holiday as well. It's just, I don't think that Milwaukee's defense is going to be able to contend with Phoenix's, excuse me, with the Suns' ability to shoot from behind the three-point line. And I don't think they're going to be able to contain Chris Paul. Even if Chris Paul doesn't go out there and score 30 points. He may drop 20 points, but get 13, 14 assists and get everybody on the team involved, especially to to facilitate some guys to get open to shoot some three-point shots and knock them down. And 
you know, this could be a situation where maybe the Suns try to get DeAndre Ayton involved, see if they can maybe exploit that matchup between him and, and Lopez. Just because now Lopez played pretty solid for the Bucks in the last two games of the series against Atlanta. So maybe Monty Williams is looking as like, well, this may be a series where we may look at DeAndre Ayton and use him sparingly just because, you know, Lopez is pretty good down low, even without Giannis in the lineup. So I think it's going to give these shooters on Phoenix some open shots. So I'm looking at Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and maybe somebody like Mikhail Bridges to get some some good looks behind the three-point line and maybe use some decent mid-range jumpers. So I think it's going to be a lot for Milwaukee to contend with in Phoenix's roster here. And I just think that Phoenix is going to have too much firepower in this first game of the series. So yeah, I think I think the Suns are going to put up I'm going to say like 110 and I think the Bucks are going to struggle to get to 100. So I'm going to say like 110 to 95. Hmm. It's bold. Like I said, we we both know that the defensive aspect of Milwaukee does favor the guard portion of their lineup because we know that their best defenders are Middleton and um Drew Holiday. So yeah, so I feel like it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm excited to see how Chris Paul handles his first finals, and I'm very curious to see how uh, Devin Booker does as well. So I think it's going to be a good finals. I mean, if you were to put any type of money at the beginning of the season and say, hey, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be your finals candidates or your finals opponents, I think everybody would have laughed in your face. So did, um, did, did you it, see it's something different. Did you see that there was some guy that posted on Twitter like five or six from twenty fifteen? Yep, yep, yep. That, Bucks you know, are going to win in seven. Yeah, I'm just I've kept that tweet bookmarked in on my profile on Twitter just in case because if this happens to come true, the NBA is fixed, bro. Well, I mean that or, or that, that guy the, works for the, the Simpsons or that guy is from the future or he works for the Simpsons. Yeah, like. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm keeping that in the back of my head. And for anybody that's, you know, thinking that this series could go seven, I, I just, I don't really see that happening here. I, I just don't. Unless Giannis takes the uh, Asensu bean from Dragon Ball Z and magically heals himself, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I mean, did you see his knee? Yeah, sideline. It, yes. it was like, it, like that knee was like two times in his legs in in the leg sleeve on the sideline. You can tell that his knee's swollen. Like it's. Significant, bro. I, this is it. Circles back to what we were talking about with Kawhi last week. It's like, bro, you know, you just signed a massive deal. I get it. Your team's in the finals, but bro, if this could change your life, if this could ruin your career, if this could keep you out for a year plus, like, I, bro, like, I get it. You got to put everything out there. But if you're not even close to eighty percent, you're not a decoy enough, bro. You're not going to shoot. So, like, you know what I'm saying? If you were a sharpshooter like Steph and you were running around just trying to be running off of screens, trying to have people draw attention to you, then yes, absolutely, then you play. But if you're going to be a back-to-the-basket player or someone that has to drive to the basket in order to be effective and distribute and do your thing, I don't think it's wise for somebody that isn't capable of being at his best to play because you're going to hurt the team because you being on the court, I know you're not driving it at me. I know you're not going to try to freaking – throw yourself at the rim like you always do because you have a messed up knee. It just doesn't make sense to me. He's not diverse enough to be a decoy 
on the offensive side of the ball. And of course, as a, as a defensive liability with his knee, we don't even need to get into that aspect because if he's got to close out, who's to say he doesn't get hurt again? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem wise for Giannis, but again, if the NBA finals, I, I get it. You got to leave it all out there. You got to give it everything you got. You got to, you, you just got to give your team a chance. And, you know, I, I respect it. If he does it, it just, to me nowadays with all of these stipulations and injuries and, To me, it doesn't make sense. It's just, if he's able to come back in the series, it's just how viable is he going to be for them? And it's like I mentioned just a couple minutes ago. If he's only going to be at 80% in game two, or maybe even less than 80%, I mean, you could be talking about maybe 70, 75% tops, you know, going into game two. And I think for game two, he's probably going to be a game time decision. More than likely. He's probably going to test it. But, I mean, I remember when James Harden came back from, it was that hamstring injury that he was dealing with. And he was just in and out. Like, he was just so inconsistent for Brooklyn in that series against Milwaukee. And, I, I mean, to a certain extent, he was a detriment for Brooklyn. And I'm saying if you put... Giannis in a situation where he's at 75%. Does it really help the team? It could actually be more harmful for the team than beneficial. So, I mean, I looked at the Bucks in, in the last two games of that series against the Hawks. Now, granted, Trey Young wasn't in the lineup for Atlanta, but in game cr- five, yeah. But Chris was able to hold his own. Brooke Lopez was able to hold his own. And then they were able to get some solid production from Drew Holiday and some other role players like Pat Connaughton. You even had freaking Jeff Teague step up in game six against Atlanta. I mean, Jeff Teague has gotten limited minutes throughout the playoffs for Milwaukee this postseason. But he was able to chip in and provide some solid minutes for them, you know, trying to provide a spark off the bench in that way. It's just, you know, maybe they just stick with that until Giannis is really ready to go. Because they got to get that swelling down in the knee first because that knee was massive the the last time that I saw it. So at least he's getting a a couple days rest and really just kind of just ice it up and try to reduce the swelling as much as they can. But yeah, if if Giannis is nowhere near 100% for Milwaukee, I think this series gets wrapped up in five. I think at most it goes six. It's NBA Finals time is always an exciting portion. It's 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 weird that it's not Steph or Braun or Kobe or you know what I'm saying or the long list of first times that we have had a finals without so so and so players in it or whatever. But it's like Kyle said a few weeks ago, a few months ago. It is nice to have a different team. You know, like last year having Miami in the finals was different. You know what I'm saying? They haven't been in the finals in a long time, and then this year two different teams not. Obviously, the Suns haven't been in the finals since '93 against Jordan and the Bulls, and the uh, the Bucks haven't been in the finals since 1974 with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Oscar Robinson. So, you really look at this and say, you know, like both teams are here because they deserve to be here. Both teams play great basketball. Both teams have great players. It's just unfortunate that we're not going to see them at full capacity and full health due to Giannis's injury. So, Kyle and I will make sure that you know. We give you guys some content tomorrow after that game. But before we get too deep into a finals analysis, um, we do have, uh, what is it, one more topic to talk about, and that is uh, Shoni uh, Otani 
being elected to the MLB All-Star Game at two positions. Now, for, for, for those of you that are unaware, I don't know how you are at this point, but, you know, whatever. When you are voted into the All-Star Game, you are deemed one of the best people at your position to be you're like you're like top of the you're cream of the crop so to speak you're like you know it's it's fan voted though so the all-star game to me can be a little silly um but when you're dominating a sport at at one position you're you're automatically like holy shit like this person's for real like damn this person's doing this or this person's doing that this man is doing both he has 31 home runs he is pitching regularly for the Angels as a starter. He has three wins, one loss. He has like 87 strikeouts, 85 strikeouts. And what like, it's, it's hard to like put into words how good of a player this man is. The sad part is he could have been a Yankee, but he chose to go to L.A., so whatever. Like, you know what? I've gotten over that. Not really, but, you know. He literally can go into the All-Star game as a pitcher and then go line up in the next inning and then hit for, for, for the American League. Like, if, if that's not incredible, incredible, wow, incredible and unfathomable, I don't know what is, because he has such power from the left side of the batter's box, and he throws so hard right-handed from that side of the mound. It's almost like... Are you human? Like, like we all thought Mike Trout was a freak of nature with all of the things he was able to do from fielding, uh, base stealing, hitting, power, um, everything. And then you go and you, you, you put this man into the MLB and he's just able to crush the baseball, throw hard, strike people out efficiently, you know, minimize walks as much as possible and, you know, have a, have a high batting average with, you know, a good RBI uh, total as well and you're just like dude he's an mvp candidate on one side and on the other side he's sitting there throwing like 100 miles an hour like, just striking the best players in the mob out like it's nothing mm-hmm. i mean I, kyle you played the sport like we know that some position players were able to pitch at a younger age or you know some coaches were able to you know, say, you know, you're better off on the mound or, you know, you're better off in the batter's box. Like, we know you can throw or we know you can hit, but we want you to do the other because you seem a little bit better. He's like that dual threat person in high school that was just excelling at both. And the MLB is just looking at him like, if I'm his manager, I'm like, bro, what do you feel like doing today? <laughs> that's, exactly. what I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to ask him. Like, how's, how's your arm? You, you feel like throwing today? Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're like scheduled to start, but like, if you, if you want a, hit, a hitting streak, you know, like, you, you don't got to throw a baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, the best way that I could describe Otani at this point is like the dude is a Swiss army knife. The guy is so versatile with his ability to pitch and pitch extremely well. Might I add as, as well, like you said, almost has a hundred strikeouts on the season is leading Major, the majors in home runs. And I remember when it was announced that he was going to the all-star game, not only as an outfielder, but as a pitcher as well, he celebrated that achievement by hitting a 7,000 foot home run to straightaway center at angel stadium. The, the guy is unbelievable. I Kev, I remember we, we did a video maybe a month or two ago talking about kind of like the surprises in the beginning part of 
the baseball season. season, and he was the guy. And I was just amazed at how well he was playing as a pitcher, an outfielder, and a hitter. You know, typically when you see players come up in the majors now, they're pretty much beholden to one position. They may move a little bit in the outfield, meaning like, you know, if some guy is playing left field, they may switch him over to center. Like it really makes that much of a difference. But the fact that he could pitch, the fact that he could field and hit the way that he's been hitting, he's he's rare as far as rare. He's a, he's never he's, he doesn't exist. He's this has never been done. It's just I don't know how many people we're gonna ever see like this again. I, Babe Ruth is really the guy that comes to mind here, just because of how good he was at pitching, and then just, obviously he was the Sultan of SWAT. He was the home run leader for decades up until Hank Aaron broke his record. So with Otani, I mean, Otani's going to probably hit 50 home runs this year, if not like 50, 55, because he's been on a hot streak. It's it's only July. It's July. Bro, the All-Star game isn't for another week. I mean, he could have 35 by the time we get to the All-Star break. It's insane. I mean, and he's competing with guys that are, Going up like he's going up against guys like Fernando Tatis, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like all these guys can rake and hit dingers, and that's their only job. But Otani, Otani can do it all. Like he is a coach's dream when it comes to a player that they could put, you know, on a team. You know, because the guy can pitch well, the guy can hit well, and he can field. I'm just like. What else more do you want from a baseball player other than that? The fact that he's so versatile and he could literally switch hats at a moment's notice. I mean, you got to love to see it, bro. Like, there's no other way I could say it. It's entertaining to watch. Like, even when they played the Yankees, like, this man came up to the batter's box and I'm just watching him. Like, he's going to hit a fucking, he's going to hit a bomb. He's going to hit a nuke. And, And there was a game he hit too. And you just sit there like, Bro, didn't you like just pitch like three days ago? And you're sitting here hitting 425, 450 foot home runs like, like it's nothing. I don't get it. It doesn't seem normal, and it doesn't seem like it should be allowed because it's like not fair. But, bro, he's he's efficient in both, and it's crazy. Like, granted, he's not like leading the MLB in wins or anything, or like leading all pitchers in strikeouts. But the fact that you're sitting there and you're you're double. You're more than double the amount of strikeouts to walks. Your ERA is under four. You have one loss on the season. That's just fucking insane. Like, I can't believe, it's crazy. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And the guy's twenty-seven yeah. years old. Yeah, he just celebrated a birthday yesterday. So happy belated to him. Like literally, it's one in the morning. So like his birthday just ended, which is kind of crazy. It's 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 wild. It's 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 probably going to be. A long time before we see another player like him, if ever. I mean, we're still waiting on that ambidextrous pitcher that's been supposedly in the farm system of an MLB team for the last decade plus. But I, I, I've we'll, seen, we'll see. I've seen some Andy ambidextrous pitchers. They're very rare, but that, but that, but that make it all the way up. I, I saw one a couple of years ago, but I mean, they're few and far between. Very few and far between. So, Again, it's players like that that you like sit here like, wow, that's that's a. That's a once in a lifetime thing to see, and then you see Otana or, or Oni. Or, how do you say it again? Otani, 
Otani. You keep seeing Otani. You keep seeing Otani on SportsCenter or like come up on your on your feed for ESPN, and you're just like, bro, another one, bro. And I'm waiting for him to like throw a no hitter or something. Like I'm expecting it. It's like he's that good. When he was playing in Japan, there was a video I saw on Twitter today where he hit a home run through like a slight gap in the dome at the stadium he was playing. Bro, he hit it out of the stadium. He and that was five years ago when he was playing in Japan. You're really you're really butthurt about that, aren't you? Kind of, because you know everybody was really mad. Like, oh yeah, go to LA, be soft, or be a bitch about it. And you're like, dude, he chose another team. Like, so be it. Like, what are you gonna do? And he started taking off, and you're like, shit. It, it, it would have been <laughs> like a, New York. It, it would have been like Hideki Matsui on steroids. I mean, with that short porch and right field, hell yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, that right field wall is notorious for easy home runs. 314 or 318. I forget what, what's the distance there. Just super short. Yeah. I mean, you know, that would be a typical flyout in most oh, yeah. parks. In most, 100%. So that's why everybody goes oppo at Yankee Stadium. Usually works. It, Gio Urshela did that against the Mets the other day. Hit that 3 yeah, one home run in the second game. Yeah, uh, doubleheader. We, we still lost. No, no, you guys won that game. Oh, we won the second one, right? I thought you won the second one. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there were all Chapman. Blew another save, gave up like seven run, like six or seven runs in the bottom, the top of the seventh. I'm not doing this right now. I can't do it to a Yankee mental breakdown. It's one thirty in the morning. I'm exhausted. Do you want to just do a quick touch on the uh, Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols thing? I know. I, I mean, know, yeah, I, I I know that you did the video. You know, Kyle's the MVP. Kyle's been putting out a lot of content over this past weekend. You know, with OBS being a big tool for us. Um, being able to put on screen while he was recording um, and show statistics and do a deep dive of analysis so you guys can see what it is that we're talking about. For those of you that are more of a visual learner, uh, visual learners, uh, it's great. So, you know, shout out to you for being able to do that. So I'm just going to give a quick tidbit. Um, I know it is a complicated situation. I do know that it is a touchy situation, so I'm going to tread carefully with my words here. Um, But the bottom line is the fact that that was verbally said and then caught is unfortunate. Uh, Rachel Nichols has been with ESPN for quite some time. And, you know, it, it, it is unfortunate that it came out the way that it did. I'm pretty sure if she was able to take it back, I know she would. But I just, I feel like it's messed up. I don't think it should have been said. Whether or not the words may or may not have been true or seemed to be appropriate at the time for her to say it. Um, I disagree with how she went about it. I disagree with her completely in terms of, you know, making it about a race thing i mean i'm not going to sit here and say that uh maria didn't deserve it i'm not going to say that rachel didn't deserve it i mean both of them are phenomenal at their job they both deserve um different roles and you know the opportunity to succeed in different paths so i'm uh, again you know um each of them is very well qualified but for her to go out there and make it about you know espn going out there and saying you know or her making it about espn potentially using her as uh, as a scapegoat to make up for their lack of diversity you, you you want the best for your colleagues you want the best for the company i get it you know everybody's about their get mine mentality or get theirs but uh for you to say that about a colleague and then come up with your apology today it it, it seems a little bogus i mean granted the conversation was recorded by accident um and then it was sent around the company, if I read the article correctly, and then someone leaked it to the press 
that person has now been reprimanded by ESPN. Uh, I don't know the name of the employee, nor do I know the punishment that they're going to receive. But the fact that Kayla Johnson, the fact that this, this came out was it's insane. I mean, you really think about it. This was like over a year ago, right? It was like 2020. Yeah. The, the audio that was leaked uh, for the New York times article that came out over the weekend, that, um, audio was back in basically like the lead up to the finals last year in the bubble. So it's just, it's crazy to, to, to think that there are people out there like that. You know, I get it again. You know, she felt that she deserved it. She felt that she wanted it. And, uh, there has been no confirmation as to why Maria Taylor was chosen. It's just the point of Rachel wasn't. Rachel looked a little salty, and it it, it is what it is. And um, it's unfortunate the ESPN has to go through this, and and that this has circled into the drama that it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all my comments. Again, I'm trying to stay away from trying to pick a side. Uh, again, uh, my focus here is just Maria's uh, side of the story, Rachel's side of the story. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ESPN. I only have my own opinion, and uh, I think that the way it was handled by both the person that leaked it and by Rachel were both just unfortunate and inappropriate. So we'll just have to see what comes of it, honestly. Because who knows if Rachel's going to get reprimanded? Who the hell knows what Maria is going to say? I did not see her response, if any. I saw Rachel's apology this morning, and uh, it seemed a little. I mean, you know, when you get thrown, it's like, well, scripted. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like when you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar and you're like, sorry, I stole the cookies. Like, it's like, it didn't seem genuine. Um, so what are you going to do here? You know, it, what's done is done. What said is said. It came out and, you know, who's to say their relationship will ever be the same. Who's to say they had a good relationship to begin with. We don't know that. Again, we're just giving you guys our thoughts and our insights on what we see and what we're putting together from the reports and the stories that we see just like you guys. So that's all I'm really going to say on it. I don't want to take any more time like that because that's, again, that's a very touchy, sensitive topic, especially in today's day and age. No, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. There's really not much more else I could add. I mean, I did the, I did the video about that earlier and, you know, pretty much the way that I see it is I think Maria Taylor's probably, going to be on the way out from ESPN. I think that's within her best interest just to kind of get away from all the drama. She's, she doesn't need that, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and I imagine that she's going to make some pretty solid money wherever she goes. Cause I mean, if she wants to go back to ESPN, it's probably going to come with the stipulation that Rachel Nichols has got to go. And it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the near future that ESPN probably lets Rachel Nichols go over the situation between her and Maria. But I think Maria's uh, career is looking pretty solid right now. I think she handled it like a professional. And, I mean, she's been a professional from what I've seen um, through her t- through her time at ESPN up until this point. And I really don't expect anything different up until her contract ends once the NBA Finals come to an end. But I think, I think Maria's set up for a pretty bright future within the next couple of years. And I think with Rachel... I think this is going to stick with her for the rest of her professional career. The fact that she's not a team player, that she's throwing people under the bus in private conversations, that's not a good look. So this is really kind of a classic case of, you know, what you see in the public is one thing, 
but privately they may be completely different people than what you see publicly on television. And Big facts. I think with what happened with Rachel here, I think that's going to be the case. So yeah, pretty much got what, caught with their pants down. You reap what you saw and you know, you know, you get what you give in this situation. And um, with Rachel, it's uh, it's not looking good on her. I think she looks the worst out of this. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It's a sad situation for both, obviously. You know, both good reporters. Both, like I said, good at what they do. Oh, yeah. So if, if they both end up leaving the company, it's unfortunate because, you know, we've been seeing Rachel do her thing for some time and Maria as well. So, you know, only time will tell. You know, Kyle and I will keep you guys updated if there's anything else to share. But, on you know, on in that regard, that's about all we have for the episode. Um Again, tomorrow does start the NBA Finals. Uh, the Stanley Cup Game 5 will be, I believe, Wednesday, unless it's going it's, back it's to probably, Tampa. It's, it's probably going to be adjusted because of the tropical storm that's coming here. Correct. It's so, going to be a great day. You know, it's going to be pouring down rain. It could just be just a huge rain event, and it, it would have to hit Tampa. But I imagine the NHL is probably keeping a keen eye on the track of the storm. And it wouldn't surprise me if they push this game back to like Thursday, potentially even Friday. Yeah. Kind of, kind of depending on how this goes. I would think Thursday is probably a good target date uh, if they adjust it from Wednesday. But time will tell on that one. Yeah, hopefully, me and Kyle are able to give you guys some good content tomorrow because it's supposed to hit where I'm at around eight in the morning and like kind of carry on through to Tampa by about eight or nine p.m. And that's usually around the time we start recording, if not a little bit later, because we do want to record at least towards the later portion of the NBA Finals, because we do know by the time the Finals ends, it's going to be like 12, 12, 30, both of us have jobs. So we're going to do our best to give you guys as much content as close to the vest as possible throughout the coming weeks until the Finals are over. But, you know, as always, we appreciate all the support. Again, you know, shout out to Kyle for putting out these content videos over the weekend. I know I was uh, incapacitated to a certain extent or, you know, unable to assist uh Kyle was able to put content out a little later in the evening to which I was either unavailable or I was already asleep. So, you know, kudos to the man, the myth, the legend that is Kyle Dabrow, but um, couldn't be here without him. Appreciate it. OBS is going to be a great tool for us going forward. Uh, Spoke with my girlfriend over the weekend. The logo is actually phenomenal. I wish we were able to show you guys at least the draft that's coming, but I feel like that would take away from the surprise of the reveal. but it should be done within the next week or so. I know that she's been working really hard on it. So super, super big shout out to babe. Uh, appreciate you. And uh, we'll be getting it up soon. Be able to show your work off to the world. Well, and all did you have a good 4th of July weekend, my guy? Yeah, my brother came over. So we kind of hung out. You know what I'm saying? We haven't really got to hang out in a little while, in a little bit. You know, me being busy with the new job and the puppy and whatnot. Um Spent it with my girl and her dad, you know, just went over, had some burgers, had some hot dogs, went in the pool, came home, just kind of went to sleep, honestly, nothing crazy. Not like when we were younger, it was like, yo, we got to go to Fort Myers Beach or we got to go, we got to go to Naples or something like that. Now it's kind of just like, you know, casually hang out, sleep, watch some fireworks and that's it, man. It's crazy how fast time's moving. About to be damn near 30 in about a week. So it's kind of crazy. You know, it's kind of funny. I had a, I had a, joke for this so you know when, when i look at the fourth of july when it comes um every year i kind of always think of it as like a reminder that uh that britain blew a 13 colony lead for the revolutionary war 
I mean, you're talking about like the Atlanta Falcons of like historical <laughs> losses, bro. Like, you you know, did not make colonies. our nation's independence a sport ref. <laughs> it's a 13 colony lead, my guy. And it went oh, bye bye. <laughs> Only fourth, you. And the 4th of Only. July started it all, man. Like, Only you. Hey, man, you got to give me some credit. I get, I, that was, I that was credit. creative. That was creative. You know, I kind of look at that as like a everything, like an every year type thing now, just because I could always make some jokes to to British people about that. Like, hey man, you had the they had the colony lead, and then what happened? Yeah, I'm going to bed, guys. It's late. <laughs> Kyle's gonna, you know, come up with some more good stuff for you guys tomorrow. If this is how he's gonna act. <laughs> but you know, with that said, you guys, that'll wrap it up from here. Um, appreciate the support that we've been getting over the entirety of the podcast. Um, I mean, this is go time right now for the NBA finals and the same goes with the NHL as well. The Stanley cup finals as well. So, you know, Kevin and I are probably going to be more focused on probably knocking out individual segments uh, throughout the week, uh, primarily with the NBA and, you know, potentially with the Stanley cup series, possibly wrapping up uh, game five, maybe even game six. So, you know, we'll, we'll try to knock out another episode later this week. It's just we'll kind of have to see how it goes. I don't know what the storm's going to do. I mean, if it knocks out power, um, it's going to limit our ability to be able to produce um, a lot of content this week. But we just kind of have to play it by ear and see how it goes there. I got the kayaks ready just in case, you know, if it uh, if shit hits the fan. But, you know, be prepared. But I can't. Bro, I mean, it's late. But I still got jokes, my guy. Like I, I know I just I this stupid hurricane moving to Florida, terrible idea. Damn it, honestly, it should be fine. It says nowhere near Irma, so that's another reason why I'm starting to understand why Florida starts to say it's not that serious. When you live through a hurricane that was the biggest hurricane in the United States history, and you see a tropical storm coming that's nowhere near the size of that, you tend to not worry as much. But still, power outages. It's, go- it's going to be a big rainstorm. Yeah, so we'll 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 keep you guys posted. If we're able to put something up, we will. But just know, we're not forgetting. We're just preparing for what may or may not happen. So yeah, yeah. But I mean, with that said, you guys, I mean, appreciate you guys tuning in. Whether it was listening to it on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts or watching it on YouTube, definitely appreciate it. And we will see you guys later. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.